You're listening to a Big Finish production, and there's been an incursion. Or several. My corpse is cluttering up your main operations room. I'd say, I'd say that counts as proof. This is the Big Finish podcast, launched on the 28th of April, 2019. Well then, here you are, entering the highly recommended and extremely friendly world of Big Finish audio drama and audiobooks. Super. We got loads of stuff to pleasure your mind via your ears, that is. Uh, so much so, <laughs> in fact, that it would take a month's worth of podcasts to list it all. It's, it's true. true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So why not just go to bigfinish.com, our shiny new website, which is uh, maybe not as new if you're listening. It would Not even a month old, would it? Um mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, not just yet, because we've got a few things to entertain entertain you and entertain you with. Yes. Yeah. I'm Benji Clifford. Hi. 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 Entertain. That sounds like, you know, forcing someone to watch something by chaining them up. You're now going to be entertained. We are going to entertain you to that chair and intertwine <laughs> your hair. Well, anyway, yes, as I say, I'm Nick Briggs, and together we're presenting a podcast of delights for you. Here's how it's looking in a moment. Listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. That'll be followed by us delving behind the scenes with Unit Incursions, the latest in our Doctor Who spin-off series featuring the task force that tackles the alien and threatening things that have a go at our planet from time to time. Threats to our planet come in many forms. Some are alien visitations. Some lay dormant in Earth itself. And occasionally, danger arrives with a big gun and fantastic hair. Whatever the threat, whoever the enemy, UNIT is ready to defend the world. And UNIT Incursions is not to be confused with UNIT in Curtains, which is a, uh, a promotionary deal we have with yeah. the local curtain shop uh, in Hinkley. Um, it, 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 Benji, Benji, yeah. pull yourself together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How does he curtains, do it? How does he do it? That's the Tommy Cooper joke. The doctor, yeah. doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Uh, pull yourself together. together. Do you know, I, I actually live not too far from Tommy Cooper's house down here, and there's a big really? picture of Tommy Cooper on the, on the wall, and... Uh, and his local wow. pub where he, he drinks. I should explain Drank. to anyone listening who doesn't know, who's too young or doesn't live in the UK, or is not aware of UK TV and comedy history. Tommy Cooper was a big comedian on the on British television and stage back in the 60s and 70s. He was a big man with a fez. <laughs> he had a fez. A uh, great voice like that. He's shot like that. And he's shot. Spoon jar, jar jar spoon. And he'd he often l- laugh at his own jokes, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. And he was, he was a magician who got everything wrong all the time. But he's ab- yeah. absolute. Cl- oh, he got it all wrong, but even but it was planned to go wrong, if that makes sense. Yes. Fantastic, fantastic uh, comedian. Watched him the other day, actually, in The Plank. Do you remember that oh, old? Oh, yes, uh, yes, old I do. Yeah, he, he did uh, one of those, because they've done several planks, haven't they? He was in that. Yeah, yeah. great stuff. But anyway... Um, if you have carry- several planks, does that make a house or something? I don't know. Make one of those little um, pallet things, you know, that you Oh, can, yeah, pallets. Yeah, that you can stack. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like the building podcast we did about a year ago. <laughs> yes, it is. We need more building materials in this yeah, podcast, we do. you know. Oh, yeah, I'll knock that wall through for you there. 
<laughs> the solution to any building anecdote. Oh yeah, yeah I'll, I'll knock that wall through. Yeah, we'll make a sort of uh, make a sort of tunnel, an archway. Nah, no, you um, don't need planning permission. No problem. No, but that's a supporting wall. <laughs> Sorry, I was just about dear to go. big finish. I do object to you lampooning the building trays. Entirely, on, I tell you, it's not the building trade you should be in. It's the scaffolding trade. Yeah, you go you make to a any lot of town, there's scaffolding everywhere because they changed the law a while back, didn't they? So you're not allowed to climb up long ladders. So if even if you just need to sort of you know go two inches up a wall, you have to have like you know a hundred meters worth of scaffolding all over the place. And then they leave it there for weeks on end. Yeah, and they're going to do well. I've had scaffolding. I've been at this house now for. Year and a half scaffolding yeah. next door on the back, still there. Have I seen them in there? Maybe once. Unbelievable. I always say it's a great way for them to make money, but actually the charges are very reasonable. <laughs> it's very true, but having said that... Um, Which is why they just leave it there, because it doesn't cost people much. Oh, someone's ringing me. The scaffolders. I don't know who that is. I better not answer that. <laughs> Whoever you were, I didn't answer to you because you I didn't recognise your number. Got fearful in case it was a really angry builder. <laughs> yes. um, but anyway, I'm listening to you. I'm listening. Don't think I ain't. Um, but anyway, carrying on with the podcast, we'll oh, be teasing that, you with yes. our latest Doctor Who short trip, especially a short story on audio. And this time, we're teasing you the Drex Olympics. The TARDIS has been stolen. Your phone go again. Yeah, they're not giving up. Swines. The TARDIS has been stolen to be a prize in the Venusian Olympics. The Doctor is furious, and not uh, not only at the theft, but also that it's the third place prize. Now Jamie and Victoria must compete to get the TARDIS back, and soon find themselves winning every event. Ooh. The third prize! Yes, love a bit of Patrick Trout near a Doctor Who. Uh, then following that, we activate the Randomoid Selectrotron to give you a 25% discount off a randomly selected Big Finish release. And finally, we tease you with the first 15 minutes of unit incursions. Uh, well, it's the first 15 minutes of um, a particular episode, uh, but starring uh, Gemma Redgrave, uh, Ingrid Oliver and Alex Kingston in The Power of River Song. But before all that, it's listeners' emails. I love an email, you know, it's like Christmas, it's like Easter, it's like New Year, it's like a birthday, it's like Wednesday night, curry night at Weatherspoons. Oh. It's just, you know, which I don't really rate, actually. I don't like their pop, <laughs> their poppa doms aren't that nice. I wasn't, no, bit, forget it. Go to a burnt, proper curry right? house. Yeah, go to a proper one. Yeah, give them one the right business. opposite my house. It's oh, marvellous. And you don't even go there, you just pick it up and go home. I do. <laughs> just drive past. They never remember me, though, you know. They never remember Don't me. they? I go in there every time they say, oh, you know, are you going to wait? I said, no, I just live there. And I always point to my house, which they can see from their window. And they never say, they never say hello like they recognise me. I just think, you know, I've lived here for 10 years and I come, in, come into this place all the time. They never recognise me. And yet I still give them my money. Which is the polar opposite of my experience uh, last week, la a week today, where I went into a curry, uh, a curry place where I get my orders from. And I went in in person, um, sat at the table. And the bloke who delivers it pointed at me. He went, hey, he said, you better look after that man over there. He is our best customer. He's your best customer. You look after uh, him. Give him hold a... Hold on, hold on. Hello? Hello, Nick? Hello, who's that? Dave, Peter Davis. It's very strange to call the house of nowhere. Um, uh, uh... 
it's, 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 I know this is not really your your territory, right? Nick, but you know this big finish day. Yes. On June the twenty second. Yes. Excellent. All right. All right. See you. Okay, Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love that though. Just uh, you can listen to the Big Finish podcast, and you get a doctor phoning in. Who would have thought it, eh? Yes. Well, as you gather, that was a phone call from Peter Davison, but I didn't want to. Um, didn't. <laughs> it was. It was a very friendly phone call, but perhaps best not shared on a podcast. Definitely, so, uh, yes. It's quite funny. <laughs> I wasn't going to answer of all it. All the calls, Nick. Of all the calls, I, I clearly. I'd be phoning him every five minutes. Hello, Peter. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say I just love the celery. So, in episode uh, two of uh, Earthshock, I was. I just loved all the stuff in the cave. Uh, loved loved it. I mean, it was great in episode one, but particularly loved it in episode two. Um, yeah, I did. Episode four. I mean, you die. Yes, I yes. I don't like that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so cracking on with what, the podcast. Yes, if you want to yes. send us an email, very simple. Mm. All you need to do: podcast at bigfinish dot com. It's as simple as that. There's podcast one word at uh, bigfinish dot com. Send us an email, and it could be read out. You never know. Yeah. So here's our first email here from Nathan Gervais. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Hello. talented Big Finish podcasters. I hope this finds you both well and geeked out by something. Anything geeks me out. It's not hard. Um, I have but a single question. Is there an overarching storyline which connects the six parts of the legacy of time together, or are they standalone stories? Nick, do you want to answer that? Yes, sort of both, but neither, and yes, but no. But no, there is there is certainly something that pulls it all together, but they do go off in very different directions. There are all sorts of possibilities, and you can invent your own stories to fit in there as well. There is, yeah, it, but it, there is a, a sort of a big thing that's happening. Oh, well, carrying on here, it says, oh, to heck with it. I have a second question. <laughs> there was internet chatter during the last Gallifrey One convention that Big Finish had obtained the rights to produce original Adam Adamant Lives audios. Is that indeed the case? And when may I place my pre-order? <laughs> well, Nick, is that indeed the case? Well, you know, I I blew it at Gallifrey One. I said, oh, "Well, Did I'm just going to tell you." Yeah, I just told people on stage, and I because I just wanted to want it to filter out that we'll do a big launch, and we don't have any real details yet. I can tell you, however, that the first box set scripts have been written, and they have totally blown my socks off. Not so, not written by me, <laughs> um, and uh, the, yeah, and so uh, we're just uh, looking for our Adam at the moment. Uh, well, and everyone else, but you know, we want to get the Adam sorted out, and then uh, we'll cast the other people, and then Very we'll hopefully exciting. record. Um, you know, maybe as soon as May, uh, May or June. I'm thinking. Yeah, there's no release date set yet, so we've got a little bit of time to get our ducks in a row. But yes, we are doing Adam Adamant, so stay tuned to this and other channels for news. That is an exclusive. <laughs> So I found out about it when Nick texted me saying you couldn't just quickly rustle up some Adam Adamant style music, could you? Just doing a little <laughs> test. So of course I did exactly that. Uh, great, great fun. How exciting! Oh. Well, and so, hopefully you're going. Well, you are going to be working on it. It's a done deal. It's a done, Clive done deal. Um, <laughs> they don't lock it up. <laughs> don't panic! Don't panic! Don't panic. 
Uh, as always, thank you all for endless hours of enjoyment that Big Finish provides me. All the best, Nathan Gervais. Oh, lovely email, Nathan. Thank you very much, dude, and keep doing your thing. Oh, Nathan, we can always rely on you. Uh, here's one from Peter Kemmerer. Dear Nick and Benji, the releases so far this year have been absolutely outstanding. I can personally applaud the Fourth Doctor Adventures Series 8 with the incomparable Tom Baker and Jane Slavin. The Diary of River Song Series 5, the First Doctor Adventures Volume 3, Missy Series, Torchwood, Gone, God Among Us 2, Arsenal Nil, the 8th of March, the comic strip adaptations, wow! in brackets with an exclamation mark and Gallifrey Time War 2 as of this email we're not even done with March not a clunker in the bunch (laughs) that's a great phrase not a clunker in the bunch Um, bravo to the outstanding team of producers directors writers actors sound and effects designers and composers at Big Finish to April and beyond so Peter Kemmerer yeah He's, uh, he's on Twitter as well. Pete from PA on Twitter, in case you wanted to know. Hope that's not confidential information. Um, Peter, that's a really lovely email. It's, um, yeah, it's even lovelier than I expected. You know, the whole business about all the talented people we have working for us, it's just something that um, I, I just... Uh, it inspires me, you know. Aww. It's so lovely yeah. when people are good. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway... We're very fortunate to have so many Gosh. people that love what we do, you know, in, yeah. in, within the team, and they're passionate about it. You and know, we try to let them know as much as possible how much we love their stuff. And you know, and part of me reading this out, hopefully, a lot of big Finnish contributors listen to the podcast, and they will hear your praise as well. Yeah, so Nick threw a brick you, through my window the other day with a note <laughs> attached to it saying, "Good, good, yeah." <laughs> and the D was the wrong way round. Uh, smashing, smashing. <laughs> thought you'd like this joke by the way your wages now have to repair your window ha ha (laughs) off to the your buddy Nick your buddy Nick yeah spelt with a K Um, what kick kick yes Um, kin Um, and finally here's one from Elad Pan yes before I start to write about the topic English is my fourth language so there may be some grammar mistakes in the email The fact that you're emailing is is awesome, so it doesn't matter. It's all good. So I write this email after listening to the 1003 podcast and the 1703 podcast. First on the 1003 podcast, Nick said that there isn't enough passion for making adaptations of Jules Verne's stories. And this made me think about a question. I think it's sure to be the case that in many other countries around the world, Jules Verne's story adaptations would be out before H.G. Wells' ones. So my question is, how do you think you are being British... How do you think you being British citizens influences your work as sound designers and writers slash directors? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, where you are and the kind of society you live in and all the assumptions that society has based on its past, on its history and its current things, it it, it all affects you as a personality. But I do firmly believe that people are people and what really binds us together is that we are people around the world of similar experiences, you know, and it's not, I don't think personally, and I hope I don't offend anyone, I feel that nationhood is a bit of a red herring and it's the thing that is, has caused wars and, and what have you. And I, I would hope that in future we would move to a society, obviously I read too much science fiction, a society where, you know, we recognise ourselves 
as a common species who can work together. I think, you know, some of the biggest problems in the world are caused by the fact that different nations, um, you know, don't cooperate over certain things and think, oh, well, this is my interest and I will pursue this. So, I mean, I'm getting very highfalutin and, and talking about political philosophy and what have you here. But it is bound to. So, yeah, something like, you know, Jules Verne, I don't think is quite so big in this country as H.G. Wells is in terms of a cultural influence, is it? I think as well with some particles of, of all the things that we consume as well. So naturally, I mean, I, I can certainly speak for myself here to say that you know, my my leanings are towards things that I've grown up with things that yes, I, yes. I've been into that way and so um, I was never really I've never really and still I'm not actually that familiar with Jules Verne's work particularly um, when comparing that to the work of H.G. Wells uh, and so I think it's I think it's just down to in a way you know ge- geographical things it's like food isn't it it's yeah. like the local food that you eat will be eaten more where the local food is the local food perhaps then it would be um if it was i don't know we eat a lot of indian food don't we in this well, country it's very true yeah isn't <laughs> it like the, the the most popular takeaway meal or is is chicken, chicken tikka masala chicken tikka masala real... is our national dish is, is it not now yeah. pretty much it's not even a real curry is it they made it up for the english to shut but, some guy up who wanted a bit of sauce with his chicken tikka kind of like the, <laughs> the birmingham curries isn't it but uh, yeah, well, the curries are, are great in the midlands Oh yeah, curries are great everywhere. Full stop. Capital letter. Um, there's a curry house in Germany actually called the Prince of India. Uh, the curry is completely different. It's a very different sort of vibe. But anyway, this is not the curry pocket. God, I want a curry. Yeah, well, I always want it. I've got a roast dinner tonight, so I'm sorted. Oh yeah. yeah well, I'm leaving, aren't I? Uh, this is recorded in the past. I'm off on off to Germany tomorrow. You see, in the evening. So uh, I'm do come me- back. Well, well, if I if I can, I I will. Um, you know, well, it's just like Joe Miners, one of our sound designers and composers. He's they said something about, oh well, uh, Joe's in Canada, and I thought, and I went, oh well, do come back. And he said, well, not necessarily. He's just moved to Canada. Well, he's moved to Canada. Yeah, you didn't know. No, no, no. I thought they meant he was on holiday, so I was just being humorous and saying, oh well, do come back. He's not coming back. Oh, that's one way. To... He's gone. He, yeah, he's still working for us, but he lives in Canada now. Well, I could think of worse places to live. Uh, ah, yeah. ah, I see. He said, uh, "He said I would have warned you all, but all the paperwork came through really quickly, and it was like, right, you can go now." I'm like, mm, okay then. <laughs> <I'm going."> <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I'll come back mainly because uh, I got to feed the dog. The other subject is about more criticizing reviews in the 1703 podcast. God, we've been podcasting for that long, Nick. Since 1703. Um, You talk about more of this kind of review. And I would like to share my opinion about this matter. In your product page, I agree that only fantastic reviews are needed to help those who are still undecided. However, in any other places, in my opinion, big finishes like Eurovision. And for Americans, Eurovision is a contest in which all Europe and Australia participate and each year select a singer with an original song in uh, at the end one country wins um it's not at all a political vote I, this is my bit here and uh, it's all about the music <laughs> isn't it it's definitely about the music is it not um they uh. could uh, change things and learn from more hard reviews and discuss them big finish needs to do that also in the end everyone who writes a review writes it because they want to support the organizations and their products thank you very much for the excellent products 
Elad Pan. We say everybody, but I don't know if I get a bad product on uh, on Amazon, I'm I'm up there and I will I will slaughter that and uh, give them a piece of my mind. Wow, wow! I don't tend to do that. Oh, I suppose I do. If so, I, actually, yes, I have given bad reviews on TripAdvisor when I've had restaurants. Just oh, there's a restaurant. There's a restaurant very, very near me, and it's really annoying because it looks lovely. But I, every now and again, I give it another chance, and the service is appalling, and it's too expensive, and the portions are too small. And the last time I went in there, they were just terrible, and I just went straight on Twitter. And they were they were really groveling and apologising because they saw how many followers I had. They said, please come back and we'll make it right. I thought, well, you've had two chances. You've ruined it. <laughs> well, I had, I had one where I went to this place locally and it was, um, it was terrible service. And we asked for a... Um, it was a tapas restaurant. And they, they, they individually priced everything, despite the fact that they called it like a mixed meze sort of thing. Anyway... <laughs> Um, this is outrageous! No, but, but they were charging like something ridiculous, like for the for the bread, bread and yes. dips. It came yes. to like twelve pound fifty. I think per Having person. A laugh. And so molecule. It was it was ridiculous, and so I turned to them and I and I'd had a few drinks by this point and was furious. Um, you and threw I threw a chair through the window. I, I didn't threw you? a chair through the window. Perfectly and, um, reasonable. I think so. No, I turned to them and I said, I said I'll write a bad review for this. I said I write for the Gazette. And I'll make sure that this is publicised. And he turned to me and he just said, we don't have a gazette. <laughs> Rumbled. Sorry, guys. We don't have a gazette. I'm a liar. I'm a ruddy liar. Um, so now that's my go-to line. Always, I write, I write for, for the I, evening telegraphery. I write for the gazette. And let me tell you, you are going to get the most damning review of your life, sir. Roasting. A poisoned right. pen letter. Now I, yeah, TripAdvisor and Twitter. By the way, you know you were talking about the year 1703. Good year, yeah. Yeah, well, there uh, something happened in 1703. There was a great storm. Was there really? An Atlantic hurricane. It ravaged the southern England and the English Channel, killing at least 8,000, mostly at sea. That was on oh, December that's really, 27th. God, that's yeah. sad, isn't it? Yeah, I'd never heard of it that. It's really quite sad. Yeah, well... Right. Okay. Uh, that's it for the emails this month. Uh, remember, every podcast contains at least one listener's email, and there are regular full listener's email sections every few weeks in our weekly podcast. Remember, yeah, there's an email address to send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. So now it's time to delve behind the scenes with Unit Incursions. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of Unit Series 8. And I'm Ken Bentley, and I have directed Unit Series 8. Well, we started off actually, um, Series 7 was going to be two two-parters, and then Series 8 was going to be four one-parters. You probably didn't know this, did I you? I didn't know any of that, no. No, but what happened is I think um, the script wasn't ready the River Song episodes when we came to do Series 7, so we put two of the one-parters into Series 7 and moved the River Song story over into Series 8. And actually, I really like the way it turned out, that we had three stories in each box set with lots of variety. I'm Matt Fitton, and I script-edit UNIT. 
in series 8 having uh, dealt with several revisitations in series 7 we now have new incursions into uh, earth's defenses from uh, various alien threats there's something in the air <gasps> yes knockout gas and you're stuck in the body of someone with asthma no kate stewart you will restore the air or I will I will kill Osgood seems to get possessed quite a lot in these unit stories so I feel like I'm always playing someone I'm always playing Osgood but with a slight hint of evil in inverted commas because evil doesn't exist it's all relative but yes I, I, quite, I quite enjoy well because the very first story that I was involved in in as Osgood, which was in the fiftieth anniversary on television, was Osgood playing herself and also a sort of evil twin. So I quite enjoy that continuation. I do find it interesting when we have women writers, and there are too few of them, and that's not you know Big Finish's fault. It's just there are, there are fewer out there, and I think we should encourage more to get involved because I I for one have found the stories written by women. There seems to be, and I, and I could be wrong, but a sort of concentration on character over what aliens are doing. Because aliens are, br- are brilliant, but ultimately it's, it's characters and relationships, interpersonal relationships that sort of keep you listening to something or watching something or reading something. We didn't have Warren Brown when we recorded episode two, did we? Because he, he'd been travelling around the world and hadn't no, arrived back in the UK. He, well, he, he's so rarely here. Yes. I follow him on social media and I don't actually log into social media very often, but when I do, he always seems to be on a different continent for one reason or another. And I know the series he's working on at the moment, Strike Back, has taken him all over the world doing various bits and bobs. But we made it work in the end. Well, to be honest, it's fine, particularly with these guys, because they've, they've worked together a few times now, and they all know what they're doing. And with somebody like Warren particularly, I know he's going to do his prep and he's going to know exactly what the play's about, what he scene's about and what he wants to do with it. And also for, for the person reading in, in this case, James, James knows Warren, he, he knows the character Warren plays and he knows all the other characters too. So he can, he can set everything up. Every time he pitches a line, he can pitch it right, which means Warren knows exactly how to bat it back. I think the amazing thing with these is that, again, once, once it's been through the edit, is that, um, you know, you might... Oh, certainly I can speak for myself, having not been here a couple of times, but been lucky enough to be able to come in at a later date and just pick my bits up that, you know, when I've listened to them back, that people are in the scenes that you think they're talking to each other and actually they weren't there. Poor James Joyce has been sp- split thin and spread everywhere. I think it helps having, you know, and knowing the people and if you've worked with them again, you kind of know... Certainly with Ingrid, I think, because I've been mates with her for a little while, I think I know how she does it and, and I know this character and how she is in this world. So I, in my head, I've already got a kind of an idea of how she would do it. But, uh, you know, the audience would never know and the listeners would never know once it's cut together. You just think that's happening there and then. That's the magic of, um, of this industry, whether that's visual or audio, you know, the, the power of the edit. For the final story, the, the two-parter, The Power of River Song, we've got the very menacing alien threat of River Song appearing on Earth, up to no good, apparently. So what we wanted to do with this one was 
revisit the kind of story that UNIT told in the 70s of the team being sent in to observe and uh, monitor some strange scientific facility which is uh, bending the bounds of science and at its head appears to be River Song as the director. Um, River Song had never appeared with Kate Stewart and Osgood in the TV series, which was a crime, I thought. I would have loved to have seen them all together. So this episode, The Power of River Song, is an attempt to rectify that, to do a big, grand, movie-length story in which these hugely popular and beautifully conceived and played characters their worlds come together. It's been lovely for us, I think, hasn't it? Because we've worked with both teams separately for so long. To actually bring them together in one room has been a bit of a party. Very much so. And there's something nice about bringing... I don't know how to describe them, but because what they've come from is Doctor Who, and in Doctor Who you have the Doctor, it feels like an ensemble piece when we bring all of these different characters together. There isn't a sort of primary lead, even though River's appearing in, in unit, it becomes an ensemble piece of storytelling mm. where they can all share a lot of the action and a lot of the storytelling and what's going on. And I quite like that. I'm Alex Kingston and I play Professor River Song. Such a shame that one of you appears to be dead. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you Let's all. Have a tea break. Let's have a tea break. Yeah. Well done. I've known Gemma for a long time, although our paths haven't crossed recently. And it's actually been so strange because she has been involved in Doctor Who as the Brigadier's daughter and, uh, and you know, Unit is a whole other part of the world of Doctor Who that I'm surprised that River hasn't sort of ever crossed paths with. It's certainly on television it hasn't happened, but I'm really glad that it's happening at least here on radio and it's nice to work with Gemma and it's lovely to work with Ingrid it's really it's great it's about time we were contemporaries um, we weren't at the same drama school but we were at different drama schools and I remember going over to her drama school and I, 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 I remember I remember Alex from a long time ago so it's really lovely to work with her finally she's fabulous I'm thoroughly enjoying being in the uh, studio uh, recording The Power of River Song today because I get to work with Alex Kingston, the fabulous River Song, who I've never met but seen on the telly. So we're having a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, they've got quite a funny relationship, River Song and Osgood. Osgood's quite sort of dismissive of her because she's this sort of fabulous woman who's not afraid of her fabulousness. And I think Osgood finds that a little bit, a bit much, shall we say. And don't forget, you can order unit incursions by going to the bigfinish.com website. And uh, you can look under the audiobooks tab, or it's on the front page of the website, or you can just type in unit incursions in the search bar and you will find it immediately. There's also a great trailer on there. And as you know, a drama tease is coming up later. 15 minutes of it. Yeah. Time now to travel back to the era of the second Doctor. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh, as played by Patrick Troughton, it's my favourite Doctor. Uh, here's a big tease for the year of the Drex Olympics, uh, which I couldn't quite spell, but you know, you, you understand when I speak it out loud. Uh, written by the rather lovely Paul Ebbs, and performed by Fraser Hines. <laughs> Thank you. 
Big Finish presents Doctor Who, Short Trips. Year of the Drex Olympics by Paul Ebbs. Read by Fraser Hines. If the Doctor hadn't been basking in the gale of applause from the five-armed Venusians, then Jamie, a brawny Scots lad wearing a kilt and a complicated expression of frustration and fear, would have got the attention of the scruffy time-traveller much sooner. The Doctor had just finished his speech to the massed academics of the Drexian Energy Commission. The hall was filled to the twisted wooden rafters with the ecstatic inhabitants of Venus's largest city, Drex. The air was humid and sticky, Sweat blossomed around the armpits of Jamie's shirt. He ducked through a maze of fleshy green arms. Doctor! Oh, it's the TARDIS! He forced his way between two huge, flat-faced Drexians. The Doctor was looking pleased with himself, raising a hand to the crowd. But his smile of mock modesty was not impressing Jamie. The Highlander had other things on his mind than the Doctor's self-congratulatory posturing. Things he needed to tell the Doctor now. The crumpled time-traveller was double-hand-shaking several Drexians. His speech had been about the principles of biofuel extraction from the surrounding jungle environment. In reality, he told Jamie, in exchange for the speech, he'd hoped to persuade the Drexian nuns to teach him the, the basics of Venusian Aikido, as he thought it was high time I learnt to defend myself, Jamie. Jamie had laughed, and Victoria had sniggered. But the Doctor was determined to use the TARDIS's fortuitous landing on Venus to its full advantage. The subject of biofuel extraction was, Jamie had thought, so boring, he'd seized the opportunity to take a stroll round the gardens of the Energy Commission building. It had been while he'd been circling this huge, fist-made-of-walnuts-shaped edifice, he'd made his terrible discovery. Doctor! Jamie called, clambering up onto the stage. He crawled between the double-kneed tripedal-legged Drexians, their five applauding hands unknowingly left limbs free to smack into the back of Jamie's head, so going forward on his knees was the safest option. Well, I didn't come up with the principles of the bifulator myself, you understand. Jamie could hear the doctor explaining just how brilliant he was. But I've set the TARDIS workshops to automatically make the first prototype machine for you. It should be delivered in the next few days. That sounds fabulous, Doctor. A thin, musical voice answered. The female Drexian had two arms around the Doctor's shoulders and another was ruffling his hair in the Drexian way of showing appreciation. As Jamie got to his feet, pulling on the Doctor's tailcoat and, and then using the Doctor's lapels to pull himself horizontal, another hand ran through Jamie's hair in a ticklish ripple. Oh, get off me! Jamie pushed the hand away. The Drexian stepped back, with a look balanced somewhere between annoyance and disapproval around her three compound eyes. Ah, Jamie, the doctor chided, that's no way to speak to Finn Falaflex. Um, did you leave your manners back at the TARDIS? That's just it, doctor. But before Jamie could finish his sentence, Finn Falaflex was shouldering Jamie aside, ruffling the doctor's hair twice as vigorously and saying, The biofuelator could be the saviour of our fair city, doctor. It is so kind of you to offer us the technology free of charge. That's a level of altruism we rarely see in these troubled times. Yes, well, about that free of charge bit, the doctor began. But Jamie skipped round and was approaching the doctor from upstage. Doctor, 
It's the TARDIS! The doctor ducked below Finfalaflix's ruffling fingers, his lined face crumpling like he'd ripped open an unwelcome bill. Jamie, I'm just about to ask Finfalaflix here if she can have a word about vacancies in the Aikido school. Doctor, the TARDIS! It's gone! The doctor did a quintuple take. Gone? Well, what do you mean, gone? Coming up, our... I was about to say our 18-minute for some reason. <laughs> Coming up, our 15-minute well, drama tease from Unit Incursions, featuring Alex Kingston as River Song. But first, the Randomoid Selectatron is live and waking. Oh, come on, what do we got, what do we got, what do we got? Uh, this it's one's going to be exciting, right up huh? your neck of the woods, Nick. It's oh, uh, Sherlock Holmes' The Speckled Band. Okay, well, Sherlock Holmes' The Speckled Band. Have we not had that one on offer before? I thought that we had. I thought that we had. Should, should we, should we do another Sherlock? Well, another Sherlock we, Holmes seems yeah, like Yeah, just randomly select another Sherlock Holmes there. Can you see one? Okay, yep, I'll do it now. I'm flicking around my screen and the mouse is landing on... Uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do Which that. Which is a solid, a solid choice, I would say. Yes. Now, that was a fun one to do. It was great to do a classic adventure. It was uh, adapted by Richard Dinnick, and uh, we we recorded it at top speed. I think we did it in half the time we normally do a play. We, we just left it recording, and we all snuck in, in and out of the studio to do our bits. Good we idea. only stopped if someone sort of dropped a script or something. Well, we had a very limited budget to get those started, so yeah. So that was a, that's a two-hour story, possibly even more, released on two CDs and, and was recorded in one day. Utter madness. I remember sneaking into a booth and trying to close the door quietly. Anyway. Uh, so uh, to get a 25% discount on that release, simply click the link in the podcast text on the bigfinish.com website and you can enter the top secret. Shh, don't tell anyone. Code. The code is BUCK UP! Yes. All one word. All capitals. All over it. No punctuation. No questions asked. Yeah. B U C K U P. Exactly. And if you're not convinced that, that you should do this, uh, here's some little reviews from it. Nicholas Briggs and Richard Earle, a formidable, intelligent duo who Ooh. make the most of their characters. Watson is especially important in Big Finish Productions as his narration underpins the story to a greater extent than I recall in any other such audio drama. And Richard Earle is fully equal to the task. This production of The Hound uh, is nail-bitingly exciting, as oh. it should be. And that's from the Sherlock Holmes Journal. So that's very... Oh, yeah. If anybody knows the Sherlock Holmes Journal... They know their onions. And They've as well as that, uh, we've got one here that says, uh, if, you're looking for ad if you're looking for an adaptation to enhance your enjoyment of the original Sherlock Holmes story, or perhaps just a well-made mystery audio drama you will certainly want to pick up a copy of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm. And that one's from Audio Theatre Central. So get on it, guys. Wow, that's lovely, isn't it? Certainly is, yeah. So you've got to read the reviews, haven't we? You know, it's only fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, a great post-production work on that by Martin Montague, by the way. Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? It's Martin Montague. Hmm. There you go. Talented guy. Hound of the Baskervilles. What the heck? Let's just play the trailer! Of course, I've heard of the hound ever since I was in the nursery. It's the pet story of the family, though I never thought of taking it seriously before. Coming soon. 
from Big Finish Productions. Of the origin of the Hound of the Baskervilles, there have been many statements, yet as I come in a direct line from Hugo Baskerville, I've set it down with all belief that it occurred even as is here set forth. In your opinion, there is a diabolical agency which makes Dartmoor an unsafe abode for a Baskerville. Do you not find it interesting? Uh, to a collector of fairy tales. Over the great Grimpen Mire, there hung a dense, white fog. As it flowed onward, we fell back before it until we were half a mile from the house. And still, that dense, white sea, with the moon silvering its upper edge, swept slowly and inexorably on. Look out! It's coming! A dreadful shape had sprung out upon us from the shadows. Never in the delirious dream of a disordered brain could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived than that dark form and savage face which broke upon us out of the wall of fog. My God, what was it? What in heaven's name was it? The practical point which we now have to decide, Sir Henry, is whether it is or is not advisable for you to go to Baskerville Hall. Well, I seem to have come into an inheritance with a vengeance. A dreadful shape had sprung out upon us from the shadows. A hound, it was. An enormous, coal-black hound. But not such a hound as mortal eyes have ever seen. Sherlock Holmes. The Hound of the Baskervilles. So yes, the time has come, but the moment has been prepared for. <laughs> it's time to find out what sort of incursion is going on when Riversong crosses over to the world <gasps> of Unit. Good lord. The power of Riversong by Guy Adams and starring Alex Kingston. Here we go. genius. I have repelled alien invasions. I have saved the world using the power of my intelligence. I can't work the coffee machine. Ma'am, you wanted to see me. Yes, can you work the coffee machine? The machine in my office understands me. The machine in my office listens. This thing, this borrowed resentful thing, hasn't worked since we got here. Can you work it? You want me to make you a coffee? Yes. Oh, fine. Oh, um, do you have a mop? Oh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Never mind. My body will just have to get used to no caffeine. It's a while since Unit had a remit quite like this. Observe, protect and support. I'd rather hoped private enterprise might one day stop jeopardising the planet with risky science. 
It is a nice office. It's annoying and it's not mine and we have other things to deal with. How's Sam getting on? Ah. I don't like that R. Well, he's not alone out there. He bumped into someone else who decided there was a story worth investigating. What are you doing here? Strange animal sightings. Eyewitness reports of a terrifying monster wandering about the Kent marshes. What do you think I'm doing here? And you? Just here on manoeuvres, I presume? Obviously. Not following up on reports of monsters on the loose? Of course not. Right. Mind if we both don't look for it together? Jackie McGee. Well, she does bring a unique perspective. And with Vikram covering for me in Geneva, maybe she could even be of help? Maybe. You're not convinced? Well, I'm not convinced by the sightings. We didn't need to conduct the interviews, and they were annoying. Teeth. So many teeth. Skin like leather it was. But hairy. Only not really hairy. Pretty hairy. Wings. No wings. Definitely wings. But it was dark. Very dark. A little more than a shadow, really. A really dark shadow. So it was kind of hard to say. That's really helpful. Thanks. Well, either they'll find something or they won't. I know which I'd be willing to bet on. Osgood, how's she doing? Oh, giddy. Ah, because my initial assessment was correct, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Because I know what I'm talking about, don't I? Uh, completely. Even though I can't operate coffee machines. Well, you've been awake for three days solid, ma'am. Of course you can't. You need to sleep. Well, there's not much chance of that. It won't kill me, probably. So, she's on top of the situation. Um... Amazing. Cro-Magnon, you say? Yes. European early modern human. Modern? As in between 45 and 15,000 years old. Oh, modern. Yes. Well, he's looking better than he should then. I mean, he's dead. Very. But still. He died recently. Not 15,000 years ago. No. So you should probably find out who murdered the prehistoric man and dumped him on the beach. Not prehistoric. European early modern human. Right, yes. While still trying to figure out where people keep vanishing to. Yes. Well, I can just leave you to get on with that then, can I? Missing people, recently dead Cro-Magnon corpses, monstrous sightings on the marshes. Oh, a bit of a week, really. Bit of a place. Any news on the activation? Uh, the director's still hiding in her office, but Mr Chant assures me that everything's on track. The array's a few hours from geosynchronous orbit. Once in place, there should be nothing else to delay. Oh. Captain Carter, are you receiving me? Mr Chant, I'm in the middle There's of... There's been a death, a murder, in the main control room. It's... A murder? Could this week get any worse? Come on! My week just got worse. It doesn't make any sense. It... How can we be seeing this? Miss Stewart. Surprise. Well, I didn't expect to see you here at, at least, well, you know, not. No. No, why would you, after all? As you say, there's been a murder. There's the body shot by some sort of energy weapon. I just don't understand. Ah, hello, Director. Finally, we discover the way of getting you to come out of your office, murder someone and dump their body in your control room. But the body, it's... It's... It's you, Miss Stewart. 
Now, I'm not easily impressed, but, well, being in two places at once, that's terribly clever. What's well, such a shame that one of you appears to be dead. And I'm joined by the director of Exusia Solutions, Ms. Riversong. Hello. Ms. Song. Uh, Professor, if you don't mind. Forgive me, Professor Song. Do you have any comments to make on the recent claims that your experiments here at Exusia Solutions have been responsible for the disappearance Let of... Let me stop you right there. I, I don't wish to seem disrespectful, nor do I wish to ignore the very real fears and concerns of the families of the missing couple. I'm sorry, but they're not a couple. In fact, despite newspaper claims that they may have run away together, the families insist that Patrick Murray and Michael Reddings barely know one another. Well, I'm sure they would know. Though I wonder if that dismissal might prove exactly why two young people might feel the need to leave their homes. That's quite the conclusion you're jumping to. Theorizing. <laughs> it is, after all, my job. <laughs> We're an experimental research center, specializing in alternative power solutions, something the world vitally needs right now. We are not the enemy. And suggestions that we might be to blame for everything, from missing teenagers to... Sightings of strange animals? <sighs> Precisely. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We're just going about our business, making the world a better place. In fact, as I'm sure you know, we're only hours away from the activation of a revolution in alternative energy. Project Sun. Exactly. Solar power harnessed by a geosynchronous array, potentially the solution to all our problems. So to suggest we may be causing any kind of issue here is, well, it's naive at best. It's political at worst. One might wonder if our competitors have a vested interest in sabotaging our good work. <laughs> it's just a thought. By dumping temporarily displaced corpses everywhere? You're not much of a scientist if you believe that. Hello? Hello? God, the organisation in this place. Hello? I need access to the upper floors. Will someone please come and let me in? Ah, Josh. Please say you have a lift pass for me. Oh, I finally got some from Chance. Yeah. Honestly, we're supposed to be providing security and they don't even sort us out with passes. It wouldn't matter if they made sure there was someone here to let us in. Oh, I think they finally cleared the reception staff out because all they were doing was hiding from protesters. They're lucky nobody's nicked their TV. They could afford it. So, what's happening? Oh, I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, time rupture? Some form of multiverse leakage? But it's definitely her. Oh, definitely. Kate Stewart investigating her own murder. You know that's not ideal, yes? I need to be in there, looking into this. She's been quite clear. You need to carry on with what you're already doing. We're spread thin, but we'll manage. And you know Kate. She's not going to let emotion get in the way. Maybe not, but... Well, sooner or later, something else is going to make it impossible for her. Oh, mortality. Yes. One might wonder... If our competitors have a vested interest in sabotaging our good work. <laughs> We're both in two places at once, it would seem. The director pre-recorded her interview. You don't say. One presumes you didn't do the same with your death. Thank you for your sympathy. 
The whole situation is a pantomime. Your presence is a hindrance. We are here to deal with a whole raft of unexplained events. There's no proof of any of them. My corpse is cluttering up your main operations room. I'd say, I'd say that counts as proof. Proof of this situation's complete absurdity. Clearly you're not dead. You're standing right here, obstructing the successful operation of my project. We really do need our staff to have access to this room again. Might I ask when they might return to their posts? You might ask, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, though. But the array will be in position in just under an hour. Then I really ought to get a wriggle on. At the very least, my body must represent a health and safety concern. Just, just imagine if someone were to trip. Oh, you really are insufferable. I'm contacting your superiors. I did mean to ask, um, is there a reason you haven't moved? It... My corpse? Yes. I felt the place needed cheering up. I must say you're taking this remarkably well. I'm really not. Though you are. I'm sorry? An impossible dead body in the middle of your operations room. And you're going about your day. It is a very important day. One the director and I have been building towards for some years. Besides, I'm a scientist. I don't believe something's impossible when I can see it with my own two eyes. There will be an explanation for this. You just don't care what it is. I will care more once the array is online. We have several billion pounds of private investment and taxpayers' money currently floating into position above our heads. The Prime Minister is hovering over us like a vulture hovers over a... a... Dead body. Look! I can only do so much. I have no idea how your body can be lying in the middle of my control room, but I also have no idea how I can get through today without having a nervous breakdown. So, can you please just leave me alone? Possibly. Oh, by the way, it's a crime scene. What? That's why I haven't moved the body. Josh! Please let me have the body moved somewhere private, ma'am. It's serving a purpose. What? It's upsetting the director and chant, though not much. I will have it moved, though. I'll, I'll have to. The array's nearly in position, and we need to let the staff back in. Oh, because that's more important than explaining what's happened. It is to the UK government, probably to the world. I'm afraid my death isn't high on anyone's list of priorities. Well, I imagine it's fairly high on the murderers, but, but they don't count. I've checked the CCTV footage again and again. It's, it's no use. One moment nothing's there, and then... There I am, like a lumpy hearthrug. How can you be taking this so calmly? Calmly? What on earth makes you think I am remotely calm? I'm terrified. I'm disgusted. I'm confused. I'm, I'm not calm. I'm just trying to maintain some degree of control, which, which isn't, isn't easy. I'm dead. I'm, I'm actually dead. But not yet. Nothing is certain. We both know that. If this is a time travel thing... And it must be. Of course it must be. Then the future can still be changed. Not without causing a paradox. Schrodinger's corpse. I've seen it. Everyone has. We've resolved the indeterminacy. Paradoxes? We've dealt with those often enough. Surely your survival or not isn't going to destroy the world. That rather depends on what I go on to do, doesn't it? My death could be absolutely essential to the smooth running of the universe. The opposite, in my experience, ma'am. It always has been, and it always will be. We'll fix this. Such confidence.
Look at this place. Why would you build a research centre here? Why would you build anything here? I think it's beautiful. Marshland, dead winter trees, enough fog to hide an army in. Only goths would think this place was beautiful. No, no. It's got a bleak, wistful wonder to it. I suppose you build a research centre here because it's isolated. It's not, though, is it? There are other people here, too. Mad people. People who like fog and mud that sucks your boots off. <laughs> they can't all be goths. Do you think it needs to be isolated, the research centre? You mean, do I think they're going to blow the place to kingdom come when they turn on the power array? It sounds a bit lethal to me. Solar power converted to microwave energy, beamed at the massive receiver. Where it gets converted back again. Or cooks us all. Exactly. I'm tempted to give myself a once-over pricking with a fork. At least then, I won't pop if it all goes pear-shaped. I mean, I know, I know there's a lot hanging on the success of this, but, well, as plans go, it's... It's a bit mad. And that's without all this extra stuff. Yeah, anywhere else we've been closed down. No comment. Oh. You don't want to discuss the fact that the director is quite clearly close friends with the Prime Minister? You've been listening to a Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Five out of five.